rugged individualist Minnesota up North Lake guy says they have LGBT branded dog toys. And so he was very triggered by the pride plush bone dog toy. They're turning our dogs gay. (laughs) Welcome to the DFL debrief. My name is Brian Evans, communications director for the Minnesota Democratic Farmer Labor Party. Joining us this week, DFL party chairman, Ken Martin. Good to have you back. Brian, I'm glad to be back. Uh, as you know, I can only hear out of one ear, which makes me especially <laughs> glad to be in this studio today because I only have to listen to one of you. Hey, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, it must be it must be nice. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Joining us as well, Will Davis. Our listeners, not so lucky, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome true, back, true. Ken. Uh, glad to be back. Great show last week, by the way, with... Uh, Former Senator Melissa Franzen, uh, as always, does a much better job uh, filling in uh, than I do, but she did great. Yeah, we talked about that extensively, actually, on the show. So, <laughs> no, she's uh, yeah, she's always just a lot of fun to have on. Uh, I think I think our most recurring guest, I believe, I would say that. Yeah, that's yeah. probably true. That's probably true. Uh, except for maybe I don't know, Eric Lucero might be our most. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> Him and Draz and Jensen. Wiesenberg, yeah, Jensen, they're all fighting it out. Before we get into kind of the main topic of this show, I feel like there's something we should just address quickly uh, at the start of the show, which is what happened in the Ward 10 endorsing convention in Minneapolis over the weekend. A fight broke out. It uh, made a bunch of news. Uh, by the time that this podcast airs, we will actually have held a state executive committee meeting to implement some rule changes to help us navigate these situations going forward. Uh, Do you want to just maybe speak to that a little bit? Well, let me just say that, you know, it's really unfortunate because, um, you know, uh, a a few bad actors uh, really spoiled what would otherwise have been a fantastic convention. And I want to be very clear that uh, these were just a few uh, people who, um, you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, decided that they were going to try to disrupt a convention uh, so they could adjourn without an endorsement. Um, and, you know, this does not reflect the values of our uh, DFL party. Um, you know, acts of violence, uh, threats, intimidation, uh, what we saw on Saturday is certainly not reflective of most DFL conventions that occur throughout the state. And, you know, uh, we take this very seriously. We want people to know that when they participate in their democracy and showing up to precinct caucuses and endorsing conventions like this, uh, that they'll be safe and uh, free from intimidation and violent acts and be able to participate in um, these conventions the right way. You know, the reality is, is things get heated for sure, but that's no excuse for what we saw last Saturday where people were being uh, assaulted, physically assaulted, pushed off of the stage. Uh, there were several people who were rushed to the hospital. Um, there's never an excuse for things crossing the line like that. And we're going to take a pretty, um, you know, uh, we do take this pretty seriously. We're going to be taking some significant action tomorrow at our executive committee to make sure that this never occurs again. Mm. Stuff like this is just such a shame. I'm glad to see we're going to be taking action on that. Ken, is there any truth to the rumor that when the plane landed, you tried to hide and fly back to Europe? (laughs) Did that happen? I was actually trying to convince the pilot mid-flight to turn back. He wasn't having any of it. (laughs) You had to be forcibly removed after it landed. Unbelievable. Brian, what do you got for us today? One thing that I think we should uh, quickly touch on that's, I think, really exciting is right now the legislature is in the process of passing a bunch of budget bills, which, you know, a lot of it's just allocating resources, but there's a ton of good policy within that allocation of resources. And one budget bill that just passed both chambers is the Senate education bill, which has just a ton of 
absolutely fantastic stuff in it. Uh, Ken, do you maybe want to talk about a little bit what's what's in the bill, you know, this being a reflection of what DFLers campaigned on, things like that? Yeah, I mean, the bill, obviously, as you mentioned, passed both chambers. It's headed to the governor's, uh, um, it will be headed to the governor's uh, desk for signature, and we're really excited about it because it contains uh, a, a roughly a $5.45 billion increase in funding over the next four years, uh, uh, and also tying that funding to inflation uh, starting in 2026, which, you know, in the past, this hasn't been tied to inflation. And as a result, those investments have really uh, stalled out over the years. Um, and so, uh, you know, we're really excited about this because this will be one of the largest investments in our education uh, system that we've seen in, in generations now. In addition, it's going to provide $60 million for mental health uh, support, uh, as well as um, uh, uh, support staff to help students, uh, you know, throughout the state. So in a time when we're dealing with significant mental health issues uh, amongst young people, it's a, it's a significant investment uh, that is not only needed, but uh, will certainly help set those children up for success. This is uh, historic in so many ways, and it, it shouldn't surprise anyone because this was the core of what Governor Walls uh, and legislative candidates campaigned on this last legislative session, which was to uh, invest in our children and our families and to make sure that we are investing in our schools school system. So we all have a lot to be proud of. I could not agree more. And I always, uh, there's this kind of funny refrain that has been going around from Republicans that uh, whenever something passes that they don't like, they say, oh, well, this isn't what DFLers campaigned on, like protecting access to gender affirming care, defending abortion, things like, and it's like feeding children. Yeah. In every circumstance, it's exactly what we campaign on, like sticking up for the LGBT community, like supporting public education, like defending abortion access. Like that's literally what, like, that's the core DFL values. And this is us delivering on that. So it's really great to see. You know, it's funny on this podcast, we were always kind of like, you know, None of us are necessarily Ken more so than the uh, us two policy people, and sometimes historically the legislature has been very bogged down and and very dull, and the stuff that comes out is very benign. And we were like, wow, we don't want to go too deep into legislation because it's boring. And that was kind of like our idea of the show. But the trifecta has delivered so much good juicy content and so much good juicy <laughs> legislation. We've kind of not been able to. It seems like every single week we could be like, here's the five amazing things that passed from between in the House and Senate this year. Yeah. It's been really fun. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Governor Walls just signed a bill that I think invests about $240 million in removing lead pipes uh, across the state of Minnesota over the next few years, which, I mean, folks, I think we've discussed this on the show before, but lead poisoning has such a detrimental effect on especially young people. And I mean, the more we learn about it, the more we learn that any amount of lead is poisonous, can inhibit like brain development, can increase aggression, things like that. And so that's a major transformative investment that could make life so much better for so many families and prevent a lot of harm. And it's just policy after policy that's getting passed and signed into law that's really exciting. Well, the one thing I'm uh, really buoyed by, I've said it on this show before, is that people are using the power they have when they have it right now to make the biggest difference they can. And, you know, as I've said before, I mean, people will give us the benefit of the doubt. Uh, even if they disagree with us on a few things, they know that we're standing up mm-hmm. and fighting for uh, what we believe and, and uh, trying to build the type of state that's going to, you know, uh, help everyone throughout the state, wherever they live. And I'm really, I, I couldn't be more proud of DFLers uh, in the legislature and Governor Walls, the rest of our elected officials for delivering on what they said they were going to do. So, you know, there's a lot, of course, 
that we could talk about a lot more that's passing, that's going to pass in these final few days. Uh, but I'm super excited about what they've already done. This mm-hmm. is truly probably going to be marked as one of the most productive legislative sessions in the history of the state of Minnesota. It's mm-hmm. kind of incredible that things like feeding kids and removing lead from our water uh, took a trifecta to do that. That tells you about how serious Republicans are (laughs) about um, governing this state. But here we are. And I think like the voters giving us these opportunities to do stuff like this is why we are an island in the Midwest right now, because we get the opportunity to pass stuff that is good. And so we just keep getting that opportunity over and over again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, when you do things that voters like, they tend to reward you. Incredible. Yeah, I know. And that's it's always why divided government can be so tough because everyone can kind of pass the buck to the other Mm -hmm. side. Well, we didn't get this because, you know, Republicans stood in the way. But now the DFLers actually have a majority and actually have the opportunity to pass this stuff like it's phenomenal to actually see it uh, see it happen. And I think over the summer, I know one thing that we had all talked about is wanting to have a lot more lawmakers on the show to actually talk about these bills, to talk about what they're most excited about from the session. I mean, I think, uh, uh, what was it that we had heard that uh, a particular state senator got home yesterday, or no, this morning at 6.30 a.m. Mm-hmm. after an all-night debate uh, that, uh, <laughs> as fans of the show may remember, Eric Lucero, bit of a talker. I believe he spoke for four and a half hours yesterday. Killing time. Yesterday. Yeah, and you know, this is uh, by design, of course, by uh, Senate and House Republicans trying to gum up the works here with just a few days left to potentially uh, force a shutdown uh, or to uh, essentially stall out so that we have to go all the way up to uh, signing die, which is May 22nd, next Monday. Um, you know, look, these types of antics, um, you know, we see quite often during the end of the legislative session, but it's a real shame right now that instead of the Republicans being part of uh, the conversation in a real serious way. It's now just a bunch of games and, and antics at the end of the session to try to make the DFL look bad. Well, I, you know, the reality is we've already accomplished so much at this point. Mm-hmm. They can try as much as they want to, you know, throw a wrench into things. It's not going to slow anything down. You know, one of the things we've talked about a lot is kind of how impressive it's been that our legislative uh, caucuses have held together so strong on basically everything we wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think similarly as startling is how weak and feeble the Republicans have been and how unable they have been to move public opinion and garner widespread opposition to some of these historic bills that we're passing. And that's just because they have elected some really not smart, not influential people. And I think Eric Lucero and all of them are, are like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, Brian, I think you have some evidence that they are not garnering widespread support for this stuff. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. So KSTP, uh, a uh, TV station in the Twin Cities, just released not, some... By the way, not a, uh, not <laughs> a liberal bastion. left-leaning uh, <laughs> uh, TV station. Right. This is uh, owned by Stanley Hubbard, who's mm-hmm. one of the biggest Republican donors in the country yeah yeah he's propped them up for years really that's right absolutely and uh you know the results of the polling was uh i think pretty great news for the dfl on virtually every single issue they polled on and so we wanted to kind of talk through some of that because uh, it's some pretty uh pretty awesome stuff but uh first i mean the first approve uh 
The first item in the poll that I uh, just want to quick touch on is Governor Walz's approval rating, which 54% of Minnesotans approve of what he's doing, 41% disapprove, which is an absolutely phenomenal place to be in times as divided as these. I mean, being over 50% for any elected official yeah. is not an easy prospect. Yeah, I mean, you know, we knew obviously coming out of the election that uh, the governor had widespread support throughout the state. Uh, that election wasn't close at all. He won in a landslide and helped us uh, win the trifecta throughout the state. Uh, but the fact is uh, that popularity continues uh, as he, uh, along with our mm-hmm. legislative leaders, continue to deliver on those promises, right? And, you know, I think um, uh, the, the the fact of the matter is, is what this is a reflection on is Minnesotans are really happy that uh, yeah. the governor and Democratic uh, leaders are, are actually standing up and delivering on what they said they were going to do. You know, um, I, I think this is really remarkable, Brian, in the sense that you're not seeing a lot of governors around the country right now, by and large, with these type of approval numbers. Um, and this is a reflection on how strong our state is on delivering again. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really important because a lot of times what we hear, and I find it very frustrating, is, you know, when people talk about all the, you know, a lot of the election wins, they'll say, well, yeah, I mean, gosh, must be easy. You're running against Scott Jensen and those kind of uh, candidates. But it's like, yeah, that's true. To, on some level, they do run bad candidates, but also we're like Governor Walls is still popular. He's still very popular. And mm-hmm. the bills that we're uh, passing are very popular. And that is also a very big people like what we're doing here. And so that's another reason we are winning. And it also shows that our party top to bottom is stacked with really smart, talented people who know what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I was actually going to make a similar point, too, because I like, you know, I heard from some folks that said, look, you know, Governor Walls won in 2022. Scott Jensen may have played a big role in that, given how unpopular he is and how just wacky his ideas are, his conspiracy theories, things like that. But this shows that it wasn't just, you know, Governor Walls didn't just win because folks dislike Scott Jensen. He won because folks like him. They Mm -hmm. like the work he's doing and they wanted four more years of that. So I think, yeah, I I totally agree. That's a really important point. It's not just that Republicans are a bit out there. It's that people agree with DFL on issues. Right. And speaking of. Next, uh, the next kind of item that KSTP pulled on is whether or not Minnesota should legalize cannabis. And 64% of voters think we should, and 30% of voters do not think we should, which is anytime you can be above 60% on an issue, that's pretty, pretty darn comfortable for any political party, movement, anything like that. This is a slam dunk. Yeah, I mean, after Jim Abler stood on the Senate floor, talk about how how much fun you have when you smoke weed. Uh, of course it's going to be popular. <laughs> well, again, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, we've known for some time that this was a, an issue that enjoyed widespread uh, approval throughout the state uh, with not every demographic group, every partisan group, uh, every uh, geographic region of the state. So, you know, it's not surprising right now. It, it has passed both uh, the House and Senate. Uh, they just finished up the conference committee report, and the legalization is on its way. It's going to be signed by the governor. Yeah, and, mm-hmm. and, and these numbers reflect that it's not just the, the you know, the potheads that want to get it done, but there are, there are widespread reasons for wanting this to be okay, whether it's um, expunging criminal records or it's for the medical health benefits 
or it's just because you think it should be because it's ridiculous that it's not. I mean, right. there's a lot of different reasons. Um, or if you're Jim Abel, you like to go to the movies and get stoned and laugh at the movies. You know, whatever <laughs> it is, there's a lot of reasons to um, to support it. Yeah, absolutely. And kind of looking at the regional breakdown of cannabis, it is above 50% in every single region of the state. So <laughs> Twin Cities, Southern Minnesota, Western Minnesota, Northeastern, it's all it's popular all across the board. And interestingly enough, the numbers for approve and disapprove of cannabis are exactly identical to those of paid leave, at least kind of in the aggregate, like overall approve and disapprove. 64% of voters support wow. the paid leave program that DFLers put forward and 30% oppose, which again, just kind of makes sense. Like if you... <laughs> 64% is a huge number, by the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it really is. And uh, yeah, and, I'm sorry. And, and yeah, and it goes to show that Republicans just are on bad footing on opposing these policies and, and so loudly and ridiculously in some instances. Well, and it's true. I mean, if you look at uh, uh, gun laws in the state and the two that we're pushing right now, universal background checks and red flag laws, uh, both of those uh, uh, approval ratings are at 74%, right? And this cuts across uh, not just, um, uh, again, ideological, uh, but it also, you know, when you think about this, this means that, uh, and there's a lot of gun owners in this state, that there are a lot of gun owners, right, who actually favor these reasonable um, uh, gun violence prevention measures that, uh, again, both the House and Senate passed and are going to be signed into law by the governor. These are these are critical issues, again, where the Republican Party finds themselves on the wrong yep. side uh, as they're trying to, you know, fight the culture wars. They're not realizing that a lot of these things that they think <laughs> um, they're fighting against are, are widely supported by most Minnesotans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, Ken's asking to be clipped up and uh, put online by the uh, Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus. <laughs> I was actually about to mention them. So, like, one thing that I... Uh, I... You do, baby. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Every mention. God, had to have it queued up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, uh, so, one thing I pointed out uh, online last week was, you know, after this polling came out, was... You know, folks like Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus, uh, Minnesota Gun Rights, thank you. They keep putting out these calls on social media, like, call these senators, like, tell them you oppose these gun control measures, things like that. And the reason that they're doing that is they want to make it seem Mm. like... Their vo- they want to make their voices seem as loud as possible because there just are not that many of them. They want to create the impression that they are this vast, silent majority of the state that is fuming over universal background checks and red flag laws mm-hmm. when the reality could not be further from the truth. Like, more than 7 in 10 Minnesotans oppose them on this. That's right. And they're just trying to, like, create this smoke and mirrors illusion that people are actually behind the the Republican Party yeah. on these positions when that's not true. And they drive up these whirlwinds of outrage on social media. And I do understand why people don't, you know, publicly go after gun violence. You know, a lot of people don't want to do it because they don't want to be targeted by these crazies on social media. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is to call some of these state legislators and thank them for the work they're doing and to encourage them to continue pushing on this stuff because – they need to hear those voices because if you're just sitting in your office hearing people bashing you all day for what you're doing, if you don't know who they are, you're going to think that everyone opposes it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's really this is why it's always important to stay in contact with who's representing you because they need to hear they are human beings, too. They need to hear that there are many sides and there's louder voices on the other side. too. Yeah. And as far as like a group of people that sucks to have call and email you very angrily. 
very, very fervent gun advocates are probably <laughs> the, <laughs> the top of that list. Yes. It's not fun having heard from folks uh, who are getting these calls and emails like really, really unpleasant. Uh, and can speak from experience. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and like to your point, yeah, confirmation bias is really kind of easy to. I guess it wouldn't necessarily be confirmation bias, but if you just get call after call, email after email, it can be easy to subconsciously believe that like, yeah, yeah. they're like, people are a lot more angry about this than they actually are. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, not to reiterate the point you're both making, but I do think it's important for folks who support what the DFL uh, led legislature and the governor are doing uh, to call and thank them for their work. Because I do think it's important for folks to hear uh, at the legislature yep. that uh, the work they're doing is, is making a difference. And you yeah. know what? Call and thank us for this podcast too we, we need to hear it because everyone we hear from can't stand it <laughs> yeah our uh, our itunes review is i think creeping up slowly but it's uh, still still not great thanks not, to dr scott jensen we now might be over one star you know we might be we might be close to two which would be a pretty wow. phenomenal i know Something well, to be proud a, of. That's a minor miracle. Now we sit and let the cash roll in, right? Oh, yeah. Actually, I haven't checked to see if anyone's offered to sponsor ads <laughs> on the show again. <laughs> Maybe not after we made fun of that last person so much. But <laughs> We are getting pitches, uh, pitches for guests now. We're getting uh, pretty regular uh, offers for pitches. I mean, they're all terrible, but yeah. you know, at some point, we're going to get some good ones, and that'll be cool. Yeah, we got a really funny email from uh, a PR guy suggesting that we have someone on to trash the delivery fee tax that uh, DFLers were considering. Uh, <laughs> we semi-politely oh declined. It's like, this is, uh, you know, really love the suggestion of going after our own party for, but but maybe we won't do that. I just, that's that kind of stuff. Really great. Although there, and there was that other, uh, I did love the one person who emailed about trying to get us to talk about some foreign policy issue, which uh, mm -hmm. just clearly never listened to an episode of the show, had no clue what was going on. So, Folks keep pitching, pitching us your completely irrelevant guest suggestions. We love them. So one of the things we're seeing in the end of this uh, legislative session is some real nasty stuff by the Republicans uh, up at the Capitol, um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, really trying to create this hysteria around pedophilia that somehow the issues that we're supporting uh, around building inclusive communities, uh, making sure that we're standing up for the LGBTQ community and the trans community in this state and country, frankly, which is under uh, tremendous attack right now, um, somehow equates to the party and our elected officials uh, supporting pedophilia. This is one of the grossest uh, smears that we've seen in some time. And, yep. you know, I, I just wanted to reflect on that because while there's a lot of good things happening at the legislature, there's also some of the most despicable and shameless uh, uh, attacks that we've seen in some time coming from the Republicans. Almost astonishing to sit here and have to say that. I yeah, mean, to have the have to have that conversation at all I mean, is bizarre. Back when you started, Ken, or even back to 16, 18, do you ever think we'd be sitting here that the Republican legislature has spent most of their time talking about a public safety omnibus bill and focusing most of their time on a conversation like that. That's truly when you know they have, they're not only out of power, but their ideas are completely bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, look, I will say, to be honest, we've seen this before. Of course, when uh, marriage equality was discussed in 2013, mm -hmm. uh, you saw some of the same Fair. specious attacks, but it, they weren't quite as prevalent. You had a few outliers of folks uh, uh, at the time who were really, um, you know, saying some pretty despicable things as well. 
you didn't see the Republican Party embrace it as much as they are now. And that's mm-hmm. the difference, I think. You know, you always have, uh, uh, you know, folks that because they have nothing else uh, good to say or, or frankly, no intelligent arguments that resort to yeah. uh, just specious, baseless attacks like this. But the fact now is that it seems to be almost wholly embraced by the Republicans and their leaders in the legislature mm-hmm. as part of a strategy. And that's mm-hmm. that's the piece to me that seems so different right now. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I no, it's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like it is members of leadership are making these arguments. It's right. not just kind of the fringe folks that you would not expect to be doing anything rational, but it is, yeah, members of GOP leadership. They're embracing it like top to bottom. This stuff has been springing up since Trump really took off uh, in the political conversation, Mm -hmm. but it's so crazy to be able to have a a front row view of how QAnon and these sort of weirdos on posting websites sort of have taken over their party completely. And they've done it with, you know, slowly, you know, convincing people like Mary Franz and Walter Hudson that this is legitimate. But then they start talking about it. And then the next level up of, of you know, respectable, supposedly Republican. And now it's full blown into their leadership. And, you know, those weirdo creeps that were posting on those those chat boards have gotten a haircut and they're being elected and people like Nathan Wiesenberg and, you know, a lot of these just former QAnoners are now elected officials for the Republican party. Yeah. And so this was, you know, this kind of rhetoric featured pretty heavily in the QAnon conspiracy theory. And I remember reading some folks at the time who were saying that they had like a really good argument on this that I think is, is important to reiterate, which is, you know, these accusations are actually pretty strategic on the other side's part and it's to dehumanize the opposition You know, this has been a long running trope of propaganda that they are targeting kids uh, like whatever the group that you're trying to demonize. Mm -hmm. And that's because as a society, one of the most heinous things you can do is to harm children. That is something that just always provokes anger and rage. And if you are able to portray the other side as monsters that would do something like that, it justifies in people's minds a lot in terms of like what you are then able to do in retaliation. And so folks saw that kind of rhetoric with QAnon where they were spreading these conspiracy theories about this deep state cabal of pedophiles and kind of the culminating thing that like Q proponents were waiting for was the storm, was their political opponents to be arrested, sent to Guantanamo Bay and tried for treason. That was kind of the end goal. And the way you get people okay with that is by accusing the opposition of being guilty of really heinous, awful things like being a cabal of pedophiles. It is a way of dehumanizing the opposition to free yourself yeah. from any restraints in how you handle them. And not only you know is the idea to dehumanize your opponents, but it also leads to political violence. We saw this yes. with Com- yes, exactly was it right. Comet Ping Pong Pizza in D.C. Uh, where they said that Democrats were running a underground ring, sex ring, sex yeah. ring mm-hmm. of children, right? And a man walked in and shot the place up. We have seen an increase in uh, violence against the trans community yep. just mm-hmm. in the last uh, three to four years, and I will tell you that's because of the increased rhetoric out there uh, thrown thrown around by the Republicans who are using this as some sort of political tool 
the reality is is uh, it's it's easy to attack uh, communities that are marginalized uh, to um, uh, try to create uh, this culture war which they're doing um, and you know there it's shameful and as we've seen the you know it, it has resulted in attacks in this state of you know trans kids being attacked uh, trans women being beaten and uh, you know um, uh, you know, that's right. Even in some cases, and I'm not sure here in Minnesota, but I know around the country of trans uh, uh, trans folks being killed and murdered. And mm-hmm. the reality is, is uh, that the level of violence uh, and the level of violent acts that have increased over the last few years are definitely tied to this increased rhetoric and violent rhetoric by the Republican Party. We've got to realize that our words and our actions have consequences beyond even our own um you know, even beyond what we think is imaginable, when we say stuff, it has an impact right. on people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really could not agree more. And if they want to try to run on this, like, they, I will take I our agenda of protecting kids over theirs any they, day of the yes. week. They have promised. Walter Hudson, was it this week? Mm-hmm. Flat out said, I am running on this in 2024. This is going to be what I campaign on. Okay? No one's going to buy it. Mm-hmm. And you're going to lose again. You're going to continue to lose. That's yeah. right. Enjoy two more years in like the minority yeah. in the House of Representatives because that's the way that will go. Uh, On that light yeah. topic, should we take a litter box break, Brian? Yeah, Here. <laughs> absolutely. Thank, thank you, Will. Thank oh, you. God. Yeah, wow. let's let's do that and then come back for you betcha OGs. I've got a feeling I know where my OGs is gonna go. Welcome back to You Betcha OGs. Ken, who does your You Betcha of the Week go out to? Brian, my You Betcha for the week goes out to Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, You Betcha, yeah. Yeah. Just the other day, Jacksonville elected its first female mayor, Democrat Donna Deegan, flipping the mayoral ship from red to blue. Uh, She won in an upset over the Ron DeSantis-endorsed candidate, Daniel Davis. And this now becomes, by the way, uh, it used to be one of the largest cities in America Mm -hmm. represented by a Republican, and we just flipped this. And so now uh, the new largest city represented by uh, a Republican in the country is, I believe, Fort Worth, Texas. And so this is uh, a huge victory for Team Blue in a very red uh, state of Florida. Congratulations to the new mayor there, Donna Deegan. And, of course, to my good friend, the new chairwoman of the Democratic Party down in Florida, Nikki Freed, on her first uh, big victory, hopefully uh, followed by many more. Who would imagine something not terrible happening in Florida? That (laughs) is very cool. Well, I will say, and I I haven't seen uh, Donald Trump tweet about this yet, but I'm sure... Uh, he's licking his chops that Ron DeSantis' handpicked candidate yeah. lost. Mm-hmm. So, did he endorse the the other candidate directly? I mean, did he endorse the Republican in that race? Ron DeSantis yeah. did. Yes, oh, yeah, that's right. Go. It's his handpicked uh, candidate. <laughs> so. Fantastic, fantastic. How about your OGs? Well, my OGs for the week goes to the Republican House. Oh, geez. Well, you know, there's a right way to approach being in the minority, offering your input and trying to have good faith amendments, negotiations, things like that. But let's listen to hear how things were going for the House GOP last weekend. Representative Pinto requests a roll call. Are there 15 hands? Seeing 15 hands, there will be a roll call. The clerk will take the roll. Madam Speaker, Madam Speaker, Madam Speaker, Madam Speaker, Madam Speaker, Madam Speaker going to be a long day, yes, Madam Speaker. Did. Yes, they did. It's going to be speaker. a long 
We're right to be recognized on the question. Now, you might ask yourself, why are their leaders so upset? Is it because they wanted to offer some valuable input or advice on impactful legislation? Well, let's see if their tone changed on Tuesday night. Here's first-year representative in the State House, Jim Joy. We're going to delay the clock. We're going to do it all night long. I live down here now. I have to stay down here because I can't drive home. It's three and a half hours. <laughs> I have nothing else to do. Well, Just run out the clock. That's exactly right. The people of Minnesota gave the DFL a mandate to deliver fully funded education, protect the right to abortion, gun reform, past paid family medical leave, etc. Wasting the people's time is why the GOP is now in the minority. The DFL, as we mentioned before, is delivering for Minnesota. On November 5th, 2024, voters will send the House DFL majority back to St. Paul to do it again. Thanks to antics like this by the Republicans who continue to show that they're unfair for the office they hold. Mr. Chair! Wow, now you got Dwayne Quam in here yelling at you, Ken. Unbelievable. Fan- fancy feet? Unfit unfit for office. We've got fancy jacket in Eric Lucero and fancy feet in Dwayne Quam. Oh my gosh, such a... Oh. Will Davis set that video to at least 10 different songs, nice. which was great. Absolutely amazing. I was feeling inspired one evening. What do you want? Will, how about you? Who does your You Betcha for the week go to? My You Betcha for this week is going out to beautiful Northeast Minneapolis. Oh, You Betcha, yeah. Yeah. It's back. And it's back in full. Northeast Minneapolis Art World is back this weekend. It's one of my favorite events of the year. If you don't know what it is, there are just artists from all over the state and all over the country in a lot of cases come and set up their art around that part of the city. And everyone's biking everywhere. There's outdoor concerts. There's outdoor food tents. There are beer tents and uh, just tons of stuff to do and sights to see and a lot of fun to be had. And you know what? I, I lived in Northeast for a long time and it was as obnoxious as it could be at times with people after they've had about 49 beers. Um, It was super fun to be there and right in the middle of it. And I'm very excited for Northeast Art of World this weekend, and I will be down there to check it out. So That's awesome. Yeah, I think you've uh, persuaded me to check it out as well. I highly recommend, Brian. Excellent. And your OGs. My OGs of the week. Minnesota Republicans being triggered at Target. Oh, geez. So... (laughs) Interesting. Yesterday, uh, a Republican operative named Max Reimer, hello Max, tweeted this. Listen, I wasn't a boycott Target guy, but walking into a store right now is like walking through a museum of mental derangement. Every leftist dogma is just blasted in your face. Every aisle, it's worse than it's ever been. Every aisle. Wow. (laughs) The leftist cleaning supplies, the leftist produce. I saw someone tweet about the leftist automotive aisle. Um, And I just wanted to read some of the very, very funny triggered uh, responses. So Representative Walter Hudson. Hudson responded, it is jarring for sure. You shouldn't notice displays. It should blend into the ambiance. But you're right. Target is like a Walker Art Center now. Isn't a display <laughs> meant to be seen? I don't I don't think he understands what those are for, I guess. I don't know. Very odd. Um, is, also, also, what does a Walker Art Center have to do with yeah. leftist ideology? Also, right? be, like, it's if, just art. <laughs> if Target, rugged individualist Minnesota up North Lake guy says <laughs> they have LGBT branded dog toys. And so he was very triggered by the pride plush bone dog toy. They're turning our dogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the show, Kim Crockett, tweeted, I am very satisfied boycotter of Target. Hard because it has great stuff. <laughs> Do it. 
She encouraged Max. Um, oh my god! And then this one was my personal favorite. Uh, Sky Dancer five oh six said, "I had a cart full of stuff, about seventy five dollars worth of items, all ready to head to check out at Target the other day. Then I saw a section with mannequins decked out in left wing political T shirts. I parked my cart in the aisle and walked out of the store. Nope, they lost me for life." It sounds like every person who calls into the DFL office with a complaint. Oh my. I'm a lifelong Democrat, <laughs> but now you guys have pushed me out. Then I saw a rainbow on a t-shirt at Target, yes. and now I'm out of there. Now I'm on the Proud Boys. Yeah. Um, and I wanted one funny response to Max said, getting triggered by Everspring foaming soap varieties like a red-blooded American. <laughs> exactly right. Well, I'm like, I don't know what they're getting triggered by other than just like the pride section <laughs> at Target that like is there every year in the summer around mm-hmm. pride time. Like that is, I think the only like right. left lean and look, I'm like, as like a gay man, I like when, you know, people are supportive, all that stuff. Like they're doing it to make money. Yes. Like they're not doing it to espouse a leftist ideology. No. Like when you go to like Pride Festival at Loring Park in Minneapolis and you see like Verizon with their booth set up, Verizon <laughs> who donates a lot of money to politicians on the left and politicians on the right genuinely don't think they give a yeah. shit. They just like think that they will sell more phones or more cars or more whatever. Indeed. And Brian, who is your you betcha of the week? I assume it's Verizon. <laughs> My you betcha of the week is actually going to go out to KSTP. Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate the polling that they do. I know it's expensive, and I appreciate them, you know, devoting resources to figure out figuring out what Minnesotans think. Sometimes I think they poll on kind of dumb things. <laughs> and one of, one of the questions that they asked was uh, whether voters prefer the Governor Wall's rebate plan of a $1,000 check or the House and Senate rebate plan of a $275 check. Now, can you all guess which one was more popular? <laughs> I just like, you know, it's, I don't know who, like how that didn't get vetoed for a more useful question, but I just thought it was funny. So you, oh, you betcha to that, like good use. It never ceases to amaze me what pollsters <laughs> can convince their clients to do. This is a good question. <laughs> I know it's going to cost you more money, but we need to poll on this. It's just wild. <laughs> Important insights incoming, folks. (laughs) Wild. All right. How about your OGs, Brian? My OGs is going to go out to Republican Senator Tory Westrom. Oh, geez. Tory Westrom had a very emotional, passionate rant in defense of, you know, a small business in his district. Let's listen to uh, let's listen to a little bit of that. Members, I represent the only private prison in the state of Minnesota in Swift County, Appleton, Minnesota. And they are hurting because of these narrow-minded policies that now we're going to put into state law forbidding private prison opportunities in Minnesota. Opportunities. And so the only way they're going to be able to open up is bringing in inmates from other states again like they've done in the past. Now, it's ridiculous that we would pass up the opportunity of having a good, solid business in Minnesota. (laughs) The only prison in the state of Minnesota that actually pays local property taxes, heaven forbid if the state facilities would ever pay local property taxes, but the private prison does. (laughs) What in the hell? Oh, my God. Just, as Senator Ron Letts pointed out in response, 
private prisons have worse recidivism rates because they are a private business and their only goal is to make money. You can make money either by charging the state more or by cutting services, whether it be chemical dependency treatment, mental health treatment, uh, educational opportunities so that folks can reintegrate into society after leaving prison. There is no reason to be privatizing the incarceration of human beings for profit. You know what we call dehumanizing um, human rights violations? Opportunity, Brian. Wow. It's private prison <laughs> opportunities. I, I just can't get over that. So Perhaps if they painted the prison in the color of a rainbow, uh, the DFL would allow it. That's true. Know. That's true. W- woke private prisons. God. <laughs> Think of the might be on to our opportunity here, guys. <laughs> Woke private prison. Wait, will we see an Appleton prison booth at Pride this year? It could, yeah. it could be. They really care about the LGBT community. <laughs> that's that's great. And your OGs of the week. That was it. Oh, shit. well, we're done. <laughs> All right, folks, we're going to take a short break and bring you the facts of Lab. Take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the facts. Flad. The facts of Flad. When the world never seems to be living up to your dreams, and suddenly you're finding out the facts of Flad. are all about you. Representative Mary Franson has been a state legislator for 13 years, including six years in which uh, her party has been in the majority in the Minnesota House. Fun fact about her, she has never been chosen to serve on a conference committee. When Flad. Interns. 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 It is a Friday afternoon and we are feeling feisty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Will just accidentally deleted the whole podcast he had edited, <laughs> and he's pretty mad. Brian. It's going to be okay. <laughs> Sam, I'm in a pretty bad mood right now. I'm a little sour, so I need you to make me laugh. I'm going to try real, real hard. Yeah? We'll see. This one reads... <laughs> Once again, Brian cuts clips, won't be seen in public, sits behind a laptop, gets paid way too much, and does about as good as a fifth grader. You would get destroyed in a debate, let alone a human conversation. You continue to decline public invites as you are too scared. All Me. true. Every bit of that. He refuses to be seen in public yeah. is my well, favorite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was that Mitch Berg? I'm sure that was Mitch Berg. No. It was definitely Mitch Berg related, though. He was in the same thread. Oh, that's embarrassing. So, like, Mitch has no idea what he's talking about with that, but then someone else who has like no idea. Like most I- things, by the way. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> but, like, I love the idea of someone who's, like, third-hand, like, getting that from Mitch who doesn't know what he's, like, that's yeah. amazing. And then I also brought a voicemail from a while ago that really makes me happy. Hey, Brian, you're a China scumbag Russian socialist <laughs> communist. Anyway, <laughs> dumb suck, you're going down... Trump 2024. <laughs> you, guys, you think we're stupid. Your party is stupid. And go to hell. God is waiting to send you there. Thank you and have a great day. 
<laughs> God is waiting to send you there. Thank it's you and have a great day. Incredible. Thank you and have a great day. <laughs> yes, I kept that. <laughs> oh, that's so good. That is I that's one of my favorites. That is a frequent caller by the way. We uh, we he that gentleman calls mm-hmm. often. He seems yeah. to uh, relish in uh, the alcohol, and mm-hmm. he loves calling us, and it's incredible. Yeah. I'm his biggest fan. Yeah, <laughs> I, can't, I can't deny it. that I is love actually his work. that's Sam after a kitty cocktail. Thank you, and have a great day. Welcome back to DFL Trivia, Ken. I believe you have this week's trivia question for our listeners. Thank you, Brian and DFL trivia fans. I am back with your favorite segment, of course. And last week's question was, which state was the first to implement a statewide paid sick leave program? Now, the correct answer was Connecticut. Uh, In 2011 was the first state to implement a statewide paid sick leave program. The winner this week is Miles J. Congratulations to Miles J. You are the lucky recipient of a $25 gift card to our online store. And despite protestations from people in the office Mm -hmm. on giving out a prize, (laughs) we will continue to do that. Yes, indeed. Enemies of the show. You know what you did. That's exactly right. And I'm still (laughs) mad that you guys bleeped her name out. An abomination. That's right. (laughs) There you go. Okay, this week's question for all you trivia fans is as follows. The FBI uh, charged a man this week for the theft of the ruby slippers from the Wizard of Oz from the Judy Garland Museum in Grand Rapids, Minnesota. While the museum was named after the Minnesota-born Garland, that was not the name she was given at birth. What was her name? Mr. Chair! Was it Mr. Chair? (laughs) No. That is incorrect. Mm, well, but I'm out, I guess, for this. If week. you disagree with Will and you think maybe her name was Mr. Chair, <laughs> you can submit that answer to podcast at dfl.org. That is podcast at dfl.org. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the DFL Debrief. It was a blast to record. We hope you had a great time in, uh, listening. Be sure to rate and review us whenever, wherever you listen to the show and tune in next week. Welcome back, Mr. Chair. Thank you. tell you it was one hell of a show.